listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. Oh, people, people, people. Today, we are talking about people on the Business Baking Podcast. I'm specifically referring to the people you hire because most of you listening to this will get to the stage where it's time for you to hire people or you've already hired people. And lately, I've been getting a lot of emails and phone calls and questions and texts and whatever from people asking me about how to get rid of crappy employees (laughs) or employees who aren't quite pulling their weight. And I have to say the big caveat I want to say here is that employees is like hard work. Particularly employees and hospitality is hard. It's hard to find people who are keeping in line with your vision, people who are good employees, people who are not taking advantage. It's really hard to hire people and keep people on board. And so I wanted to give you guys yeah, my top 10 tips for people who are working for you because we all need people. People who need people, right? We need people. So truth of the matter is this advice probably applies for those people are your friend, if those people are, you know, stranger, if those people are your partner, whatever. So here's my top 10 tips on how to hire and how to just kind of keep your hiring life happy. So let's start at numero uno, which is check your purpose for this. So I kind of mean this in two different ways when I say check your purpose. One is that make sure that you're hiring for the right reasons. So if you always intended to have a home-based business and you want to keep it small and you really are just happy for it just being you, then don't go hiring because you feel you have to. If you want your business to remain a one-woman operation or a one-man operation, it's totally fine. Nobody's forcing you to hire people. A lot of times we hire because other people are like, oh, you need more help or, oh, you seem really tired or, oh, whatever, whatever. And the truth of the matter is it needs to suit you. And this is something that myself and quite a few colleagues talk about a lot. I always wanted employees. That was a big goal for me. But I know plenty of other people who are real introverts, who have issues with anxiety, who cannot imagine having an employee and don't want an employee. And that's like their worst nightmare. So please, please, please do not go hiring people because you feel you have to because somebody's telling you. Hire people because it fits in with the greater purpose of your business. Why are you in business and what are you growing to? So that's number one. Don't hire people out of peer pressure. Number two is make a list of all the things that you want them to do or that need doing in your business, right? (laughs) Can I tell you the first time I did this, I'm like, I need you to do all the things. I'm so tired. Can you just do everything, please? Oh my God, I've had enough. (laughs) bad idea. You need to make a list of all the tasks in your business and work out which one of those are going to end up being outsourced or which ones you're going to hire for or whatever, and then go from there. Don't make it a case of like, yeah, I just want this person to do all the things because I need everything done and they have to do, you know, come on, right? Nobody can do all things except you as the owner. And it's unreasonable to expect that they're going to be the ones doing all the things. So make a list of what needs doing. And, you know, you can go as far as to like download a position description template from, you know, various employment websites and do that way. Or you can literally just make a list of here's all the things you're going to be doing, right? 
but you need to be really clear about what you're hiring them for because otherwise they spend a lot of time standing around not knowing and you spend a lot of time training them to do stuff that they won't necessarily need to do. So be really clear on what you're hiring them for and then communicate that purpose with them, like communicate that list of jobs with them so they know what they're doing. Top 10 tip number three when it comes to people is check the rules. And by rules, I mean the employment rules in your city, county, state, country, whatever it is. I fell afoul of this more times than I care to admit because I've never hired anybody before. I didn't know what the rules were for when I had to hire them, what I had to offer them. You know, did I need to give them overtime? Did I need to give them a lunch break? Did I need to pay to wash their uniforms? There was so much stuff I just didn't know. And in the beginning, I did some research But not much, to be honest, because I was like, oh, you just hire people and like you give them a contract and whatever. And here in Australia, we actually have, there's something called WageNet, which will help you figure out how much to pay people. And it's also got a whole lot of templates about hiring and firing and offer letters and whatever. And there's various governmental departments and agencies that you can call to get information. But my mistake was in not tapping into those resources. I literally just thought you hire somebody, you offer them some money, you're good. It didn't occur to me to think that there were rules around, you know, time they could work, time they couldn't work. What happens if they work on Saturday? What happens if they work on Sunday? What about a public holiday? Like, I imagine there was rules around that stuff, but it didn't. I don't think I took the time to properly figure all that stuff out. So this is a gentle reminder to go and check what the rules are for hiring and firing. Even if you think you know them already, it's not a bad thing to have a little bit of a refresher. And honestly, some of those rules are kind of hidden. So one of the rules that I learned the hard way was I had a whole bunch of employees and I hired them on a casual basis, which is like a per hour basis. So they were not salaried employees. They were paid by the hour employees. And what I didn't know until I found out later is that if somebody is a casual or an hour hourly paid basis employee and they have relatively regular hours over a period of, I think at the time it was three months, then you are actually bound by law to offer them a permanent part-time or permanent full-time role you must offer it to them and then they can choose to decline and stay on an hourly wage, but you are required to actually offer it to them. And I didn't know that. You have to offer it to them in writing and they either need to accept or decline in writing. I didn't realize that. I thought when you hire somebody casual, you hire somebody casual, end of story. And admittedly, the hospitality industry is kind of notorious for paying people cash under the table, right? So I'm not admitting that I did that, although I might have maybe not I didn't admit it here. But the point is, I don't know that I knew those nuanced rules and stuff. Now, sometimes people like bookkeepers and accountants will know that, but it's not really their responsibility to know it for you as the business owner. And really, it's up to you to know that. So check the rules is a big one. Top 10 tip number four for hiring people and keeping people is something that's a little bit controversial only because not everyone agrees with me on this. I mean, God, how dare they, right? Somebody not agreeing with me? What? I'm joking. (laughs) So mine is hire for personality and train for skill. I honestly believe that pretty much anybody can be taught how to dirty ice a cake, how to fill a cake, how to cover a cake. I mean, come on. You guys have seen videos of kids doing this, right? I think that artistic ability is not necessarily, inherent artistic ability is not necessarily something that can be trained up, but washing dishes, making ganache, making buttercream roses, these are all things you can, you can hire for, right? Or you can train people to do. You cannot train a good personality into somebody. You really can't. If they're a jerk, they're a jerk, right? No, no amount of training is going to get that out of them. 
And in a small business, it's often just us and one other person or us and two other people, certainly in the early days. It's not like there's a whole crowd of people. And if you've got a bad egg from the beginning that you don't get along with, this is not going to end well for anybody. Like this is a bad thing. I actually spoke to somebody today who was telling me about an employee she had who's been there for several years now. And the employee went from being like her right-hand woman to being really good at it to kind of being sort of neutral. And now this employee is basically starting to, to take advantage, right? She's showing up at hours she shouldn't. She's hanging out on her phone in the cool room. She's doing all kinds of things she couldn't. She basically starting to take liberties. And this is something that uh, the comment I made to the person I spoke to today was, if you get to the point in your business where you don't want to go to work because your employee is there, or you find yourself inwardly groaning at the idea like, oh, so-and-so is going to be there. Oh, I got to deal with her or him. I don't, don't want to deal with them. Then that's when it's time to fix things. Like that's not good news. In your business, you don't want to be irritated, annoyed, upset, frustrated, any of these negative emotions because you're dealing with an employee. And truly, if that's what you're feeling, then that person has a hold on you. They should not have on you, right? I know it's sad, but true. And I think it's really hard too when that person started out as somebody fabulous who you completely love and, you know, best ever, right? It's it's so hard when they started out great and they've been with you through thick and thin or they've been with you from the beginning. And when they start kind of behaving badly, it can be a really hard thing to have to pull them up or have to fire them or have to put them on probation or really just to have that conversation where you say listen, employee, things are not going as well as I would hope, or, you know, we have some issues and we need to talk about it. It's really hard. That's another reason, actually, I tell you to hire for personality and train for skill. Because if there comes the day when you do need to have that difficult conversation, you know, I think it's better to do it with somebody who you admire than to do it with somebody you can't stand. And I know that sounds kind of backwards a little bit, but I think we tend to treat people better when we like them, right? And so, I don't want you to like them and therefore think, oh, no, I can't tell her anything about how awful she is. It's not like that. It's just a matter of if you get along with them, then having the conversation hopefully is a little bit easier than trying to get along with them, but secretly hating them. <laughs> Nobody wants to secretly hate anybody, right? It doesn't work that way. So hire for personality and train for skill. Again, I'm not saying, by the way, let me just add something to that. I'm not saying hire people who have no clue about a kitchen because my preference is always that you hire somebody who has at least some experience in kitchen work, whether they worked at a fast food place when they were a kid or they, you know, swept up after their mom's, you know, cafe or whatever. I think it's always better to hire somebody who has some idea of what it's like to work in a commercial kitchen. But I think that 99.99% of what we do can be trained in. Yeah. Tip number five about people is be realistic about the job. So when we hire our first employee, assuming it's not like a delivery guy, I'm talking about somebody who actually works in your business. The great desire is to just give them like a ton of work because you're so glad you have somebody and you're so desperate to get rid of all these million tasks you have to do that you're like, hey, take all my stuff. And you just like dump this like, you know, giant box of stuff just on them. And you're like, here, do all the things. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I need you to do that. Right? And what happens is we forget 
that those people are not living in our brain. And we forget that those people haven't done what we've done. And we forget that they're new to it. And so what happens is we dump all this stuff on them. They get completely overwhelmed. And we conveniently forget that they need training, right? These people don't just like magically know what to do. Even if you hire somebody who knew about cake, they don't magically know how to do things the way you want them done. So you have to be realistic about the job. You have to be realistic about the fact that it's going to take you time to train them. You have to be realistic about the fact that no employee will ever get done as much work as you get done in the same time. You should be the fastest person in your business, right? At least in the beginning. Hopefully, they get faster than you eventually. But to start out with, you should be faster than they are. So what takes you an hour isn't going to take them an hour in the first you know, day they've been there. It's going to take time for them to develop those speed skills and the knowledge of doing things the way you like things to get done. So be realistic about the fact that you can't just dump the whole world on them and think they're going to get it done. And be realistic about the fact that it's going to take you time to train them. Which brings me to my next point, is that irritatingly, it takes much more time than you think to find the right person. And this is kind of the unfortunate thing about running a small business is often when we think to ourselves, you know what? Fine. I'm ready to take the leap. I'll figure out the money. I'm so desperate. Things just cannot keep going this way. I'm totally going to hire somebody. Hooray, hooray. And we put an ad out there or we get the word out on the street or whatever. And we think, yes, awesome. I'm going to find someone. And you might find somebody really quickly, but that person might not work out. I mean, you might need somebody else and then try somebody else. And that person doesn't work out. Try somebody else. They're great. But after two months, they decide to go backpacking in Europe for a year or something. It's really annoying because in your head, you've gone, I am so ready to give some of these jobs to somebody to somebody else. I'm so ready to move on from this. I'm so ready to not have to do this. I'm so ready, so ready, so ready. And then you realize, oh my God, you know what? I legit cannot, like I need to actually, oh my God, (laughs) they're not here. I need them right now. I want them to start today. I want it all to be good. And in your head, you're like, I'm finally going to be able to breathe out because I have this person and it never works that way. I think I hired solidly four or five people before I actually found somebody that stuck around. Now, obviously, some people get lucky. I was not one of the lucky ones. So irritatingly, it takes time to find the right person, to train the right person, to retain the right person. It is not something that the minute you throw your hands up in the air and be like, yep, I need an employee. I'm going crazy. Help, help, help. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're not going to magically find someone. It does not work that way. So my advice on that one is just please be patient. Please be patient. Know that it will take you time to find the right person, but the right person is out there. They are. People hire people all the time. I used to joke, by the way, in my business that if I had no employees and no customers, it'd be the best business ever. It doesn't really work that way, right? So just just be aware that it will take you time to find the right person and it will take you time to train them and it'll take you time to keep them because obviously we want to keep them. We don't want to like have them hanging out for a while and then, you know, not at all. I should stop here for a second and say that employees are actually kind of awesome. Like they're not all nightmares. <laughs> I feel like in this whole podcast, I've made it sound like these people are absolute nightmares and it's the worst idea in the world, but that's totally not what I mean at all. There's something kind of awesome about being a boss, actually, because mentoring somebody truly feels amazing. It's really nice to be able to know that you're educating somebody, that you're supporting somebody, that you're giving them some love. It's really nice to watch people's decorating skills grow and their confidence grow. And honestly, when you're a boss, you learn a lot about yourself as well and what you're like as a boss, you know, and what you're like as a human being. It's really one of those very, gosh, like grown up, (laughs) grown up is a good way to put it, grown up things that you do that is 
probably something that we, I don't think we necessarily acknowledge or appreciate how nice it is to be a boss and how good it is to be a boss. It's actually really rewarding. And it's actually really fun, you know? And the other thing too is that if you find great employees and you hire good people and you train them well and you really get things working in your business, that's part of where the freedom part of your business comes. Because if you hire somebody to look after the place, you don't have to be there all the time. There's somebody who can take over from you. You want to take a weekend off or a day off or a week off or whatever it is. You've got other people that you can rely on because you have trained them well, you have taught them well, you have given them, you know, the opportunity to grow and to learn. So truthfully, I really enjoyed being a boss and I learned a lot about myself and a lot about other people. And it was a really great positive experience. It's just that in the beginning, it's a little challenging. You know, like all things when you're a small business, you're going to get better at it, right? You are going to get better at it. I promise you just the way you get better at pretty much anything else, really. So let's keep going in our in our list of 10 tips. Number seven. Number seven is that multi-skilling is a good idea. So usually what happens in a small business is we hire somebody to do like all the things, right? Because we're desperate, we're tired, we need help, we just, you know, all the things. And I learned pretty quickly that this is not a great way to run a business because what happens is everybody becomes sort of unclear as to where the boundaries lie about what their role is, what they're meant to do, what they're not to do. So I prefer to hire people from the bottom up. So I hire people first to do things like wash the dishes, make the icings, make the cake batters, maybe bake, cut out a whole lot of fondant circles or whatever, you know, this, this kind of stuff, right? So I hired people to do fairly easy tasks. And I hired that for a couple of reasons. One, because it's easy to teach that stuff. And it's easy to become confident quickly at that stuff. And two, because my time as a business owner is not well spent if I'm sweeping the floor or making ganache. Like those are such easy things that anybody can do. Whereas, you know, meeting with a bride for the first time or writing somebody a quote or whatever, that's not stuff that can be done straight up from the very beginning. So I always hired people at the bottom and then I had them work their way up. So they came in doing all the scut work, dishes and icings and whatever else and fun bits. And they moved up to like baking or making figurines or, you know, maybe they moved up to filling and icing. And then eventually they'd move up and up and up and up until they were decorating. And then the next person who got hired, got hired to do dishes and icings and whatever and move their way up and up and up and up. And I know that it's not always possible to work it that way, but if it is, it works really well. And the reason it works really well is that then you're not relying on any one person to do one job. Everybody knows how to do multiple jobs in the business. And two, when you're the guy doing the dishes and you know how many bloody bowls go into making things, then when you become the decorator and you're the one throwing the bowls in the sink, trust me, it makes you a far kinder and gentler bowl messer upperer. Oh my God, is that even a word? Bowl messer upperer. Anyway, you know what I'm saying? It makes you a better person. And it's kind of like once I ran a business, I became much nicer to other people in business because I understood where they were coming from. It's a little bit like that. So for me, multi-skilling is always a really good idea. The only kind of... Side note, I'll say to that is that some people never want to move up. So some people have no interest in becoming decorators. They're really just happy to be the dish person or to be the icings person. Some people don't have the time 
to devote to anything but really simple work. Some people just aren't interested in learning how to do new things, whatever. So I'm, I say that like hire from the bottom and have them work their way up on the assumption that the people you've hired want to do that. But there are some people who are truly very content just doing really simple stuff and never want to move forward. So just, just bear that in mind, which probably brings me to point number eight when it comes to, to hiring and firing people and stuff, which is that boundaries are essential. One of the challenges for me in owning a small business was, was not a lot of employees. So I loved the heck out of these people and they loved the heck out of me and I let them take advantage of me a lot. So I let them get away with stuff I probably wouldn't normally let people get away with. You know, I would invite them to my family events. I really took them on as family. And admittedly, that's something I learned from my own parents who also owned a small business. You know, I remember as a kid, my parents' employees used to come to our birthday parties, to our, you know, Friday night dinners, to our events, whatever we had. And I totally remember them coming and being a part of our family, my, you know, my, the people who worked for my parents. And to be honest, it, it bit them on the bum as well a couple of times when people didn't do the right thing or took advantage of their good grace or whatever. And I think it's almost impossible not to marry business and personal lives in a small business. I think you spend more time at work than you do anywhere else. And it's really, really hard not to kind of fall in love, I guess, with the people who you've hired and for them to kind of fall in love with you. And it's really hard to maintain that boundary between professionalism and friendship. But I will tell you that that boundary is essential. There has to be a boundary of some kind, no matter how small that boundary is. As an example, for me, one of my boundaries was I was never Facebook friends with my employees ever, including after they left me. I just felt that that was something I didn't... My personal Facebook page is very much used only for personal things. And I didn't want them privy to that. I wanted there to be a boundary. I didn't want them to know everything that was going on. And on Facebook, I think we tend to be pretty relaxed with what we share. And I just didn't want that to happen. And similarly, I didn't want to be involved in their lives. I didn't want them calling in sick. And then I could easily see that they spent the day at Disneyland. I just, I wasn't interested in that kind of thing. So boundaries are really essential. And, you know, maybe it's that you never invite them to your kid's birthday party. Maybe it's that, you know, you, you don't see them after hours. Whatever boundaries you feel you're comfortable with are boundaries that you need to maintain. So I definitely had a no friends on Facebook policy, you know, no personal calls policy, this kind of thing. And I maintained those boundaries. And it really helped a lot when later on I had to have awkward conversations about work or about money or about personal hygiene or about whatever else. It made my life a lot easier. Okay. Point number nine is check in regularly, even if you love them. So what I mean by this is, well, here's the thing. When you're in a small business and everything's working okay, it's really easy just to kind of like let things go around okay. And you're like, yep, everybody seems happy. I seem happy. Nobody's complained, whatever. But it's very, very rare for an employee, even a happy one, to have the courage and the wherewithal to come to you when there's a problem. People tend to keep secrets and they tend to harbor those secrets for a really long time until the situation becomes unbearable for them and they explode or the situation becomes unbearable for them and they look for business or, or work elsewhere and they leave you with no notice. I'm sure you guys have experienced situations where you're working with somebody and they seem happy and everything looks okay and then the next day they're just like gone. So I really recommend having regular check-ins with your employees, even if they're happy, even if you're happy, even if on the surface there doesn't seem to be anything wrong. And the reason I say you do this is for a couple of reasons. One, it's a great opportunity to heap praise on them. 
if they've been working really well, if they created a new design, if they were especially nice to a customer, whatever, it's a really great opportunity to stop and kind of smell the roses and be really kind to them and say, I really loved it that you've taken the initiative on those cookie bouquets, or I really loved your idea for Valentine's Day or whatever. It's a great opportunity to catch them doing something good. It's also a really good opportunity for them to tell you if there are any problems arising that you don't know of. It needs to be a safe environment. They need to feel like they can tell you in in confidence and in privacy. But it's a good opportunity for them to say, hey, I've been meaning to talk about my salary. Is there a possibility for a raise? Or hey, I noticed that James always has his hand in the till. Or hey, you know, I'm just letting you know that I'm not, I'm not being challenged here and I'd love to get some new opportunities. Otherwise, I might have to move on. So, you know, it gives them the opportunity to say, I'm really happy and I really like working here. Thank you so much. So checking in with them regularly is not just about uncovering the negative stuff that's there. It's an opportunity for them to say they love you, but more importantly, for you to express appreciation and love for them and the work that they do. And that's all about maintaining a great relationship with your employees. I think that, you know, people like to say like, oh, I'm working for the man and oh, the boss is this and oh, she's so that and blah, blah. And it's us and us and them versus mentality, us versus them mentality. And I think it's so wrong. Like, I think with small business, you have a great opportunity to truly become a family or a community. And I think that as bosses, we should take that opportunity. And part of that is stopping, you know, once a year, twice a year, whatever, and stopping to smell the roses and say, hey, what you did was really great. Or, hey, what I did was really great. Or, you know, if you got a problem, let me know, right? Instead of letting things fester and be quiet, shout it out loud and proud if they've done something wonderful and take the opportunity to talk it out if, if they have something they want to say or if you have something you want to say, it's a good opportunity. I will also say that if you have regular checkups like once a quarter or once every half year or whatever, it's a good excuse for having a difficult conversation. So if there is something that you've noticed that you're not happy with and you want to talk to them about it and you've never spoken to them about it before and you say, hey, can I talk to you about this? You know, red flag, red flag. It's like being called to the principal's office like you've been naughty. But if you're somebody who regularly meets with your employees, like I said, every three months or every half year or whatever, and you say, hey, it's time for our usual chat, they're not going to go into it peeing their pants, worried they've been called to the principal's office. You know what I mean? Like they're going to get used to talking to you. They're going to know, oh yeah, this is just our usual catch up or whatever. And it takes away some of the fear and trepidation that would come if you never speak to your employees and suddenly you're like, hey, 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 come into my office, you know, where you're in trouble. So that's the other reason I really prefer having regular chats with employees. And my last tip, which is probably honestly the most important one, I think, is that when we're hiring employees, we need to remember that it's not just about the money for them or for you, or at least we hope it's not just about the money for them or for you. Kind of like I was saying before, when you have a small business, you really have the opportunity to love people and to make them part of your family and to model good behavior and to teach them what it's like to be a great employee and to teach them what it's like to be a good boss. And there's a whole lot of benefits to being an employee in a small business that really have nothing to do with the money. Now, obviously, when you hire somebody, this makes you more able to take on more work and more able to take time off and more able to offer more services to your customers. So yeah, there's money involved there. But it also gives you that opportunity to step into your strength as a leader, to step into your strength as a mentor, to look after somebody else. And they get the benefit of working for a small business, meaning you'll cope if one day they need to bring their daughter to work because she's, you know, I don't know, got the day off school or something. And you'll cope if they say, hey, I've got to take that day off because I've got something on. You know, they know that they're going to get treated 
in a way which is probably kinder and gentler than it would be in a larger organization. For me, being an employee and an employer always has benefits beyond the immediate money, right? Yes, we're all doing it for the money. I'm not going to lie about that. But there's lots of other reasons why it's great to work for a small business and lots of reasons why it's great to be the boss of a small business. You really learn so much and you can grow so much and you can watch them grow so much. And you know, there is a lot of fear about hiring the right person and getting it right the first time. And what if they leave me and all this kind of negative stuff. But I think that by focusing too much on that, we forget to think about just how wonderful it is to be able to do something nice for somebody. And I wanted to mention that when it came to my own employees, I didn't pay them a lot. I mean, I paid them above what I was meant to. But honestly, this is not a lot of money in being a buttercream maker. There isn't. It's not a high paying job. But I tried to pay them in ways that were not just money. So as an example, the shop was just down the road from a 7-Eleven. So like on a really hot day, I'd be like, hey guys, I'm popping out to the 7-Eleven. Anybody want a Slurpee or a cold drink or an ice cream? And I would happily buy everybody a cold treat on a hot day. Almost always on a Friday, usually once a month, sometimes more often, I would buy everybody lunch and I'd say, hey guys, lunch is on me today. You know, there would be the odd Friday where I'd say, you know what guys, just go home. I'll pay you to the end of the day. Go home, enjoy a half day off on me. That kind of stuff. I had the opportunity to give them benefits beyond just the money. And those benefits created an employee culture of mutual respect and mutual benefit and mutual love and appreciation. And it worked really well. You know, as an example, some of my employees maintain their own cake businesses, even though they worked for me, which that could probably be a topic in and of itself, but I let them do that. And they'd be like, hey, Michelle, can I order something through the business wholesale? And then I'll pay you back for it. I was like, yeah, sure. And so, you know, I'd order cake boards for them or I'd help them out with fondant or whatever. And I just tried to give them benefits beyond straight up employment and straight up money. And as a result, it created a culture and a group that really meshed together well and held together well. And you know, I'm really proud of that. And I'm still in contact with a lot of my old employees, you know, some of whom stayed in the industry, some of who went on to other things. And I'm really proud of the fact that they still like me enough to want to hang out with me all these years later, right? And they think that I'm, I was a cool boss then and I'm, I'm a cool boss now, now and they'll still call me for cake advice or business advice or whatever it is. So I think it's really lovely. Truthfully, I really liked having employees. It was frustrating sometimes and it was upsetting sometimes. And I had to learn a lot of lessons the hard way, but I wouldn't give that up for anything. It was such a joy to watch people grow and to mentor people and to know that I had a hand in somebody else's life or work life story. And I, you know, even just thinking about it now, I get kind of emotional about it because it was really important to me. And I, and I really loved being able to support other people in, in the work that they did. And, you know, we all know how great it feels when you finish a cake. And it was really cool to see somebody else's beautiful work and feel happy for them and to know that they were part of my business and part of my company. And so I really liked it. So if you are at the stage of hiring or firing or hiring again or thinking about hiring, I hope that you found today's episode helpful and useful. If you want any specific questions answered, I've actually written a whole bunch of articles on the blog, thebizofbaking.com, about how to be a good boss and about how to hire and about how to fire. And I've actually written a whole lot of stuff about that. So if you pop over to the blog on the right side hand, you can search by topic and all the things about employees I have uh, grouped under the topic. I think I've got it under actually employees or staffing. And if you click that, you will find all the articles I've written about this topic. And so there's some fun stuff there, you know, how to deal with conflict resolution, all those kind of things. In the meantime, if you need help, don't be afraid to ask for it. Even if the help you're asking for is from a friend or from me or from a fellow business owner, we are in this together. And the only way we're going to survive is an 
industry is if we raise one another up, we don't bring one another down. So that's your podcast episode for the day. I hope that you enjoyed it. And I hope that I get to meet you in person this year. I'm getting ready to do my traveling for the year. I'll be traveling in Australia, in the United States, in Canada, and in the United Kingdom this year. For more information on where you can meet me in person and give me a big cuddle because I'm a cuddler. By the way, if you're not into cuddles, I'm okay with that. <laughs> you can find all of that at bizbakeontour.com. And I hope that I get to meet you this year because I think 2018 is going to be one heck of a good year. Thanks for listening. and I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.